Busy show here today on NFL Live. The champion Chiefs are in the nation's capital visiting the White House today. They couldn't do that back in 2020 due to the pandemic. The Bills, they've had a busy few days. They locked up Ed Oliver with a four-year deal, but plenty more. We'll tell you all about it. And then mandatory minicamps will be underway for nine teams this week. We're going to cover them all as we say welcome into NFL Live. You can see them up here on the wall. We've got Mita Kimes, we've got Lewis Riddick, and we've got Adam Schefter. And we are going to begin with Schefter as we dive into what we'll be looking for with these nine teams entering mandatory minicamp this week. Shefty, what's, co what's cooking? Well, Phil, it's always all about the quarterbacks, and we'll start with the quarterback situation in San Francisco with Brock Purdy. Through last week for the first time, and the 49ers are optimistic that he'll be ready for the season, but they don't know for sure just yet. I think that they've been highly impressed with Sam Darlington. We've heard that Trey Lance also has made lots of improvements this offseason, we'll see how that quarterback situation shakes out, but it's always interesting. I know there's been mass panic about the Raiders quarterback situation with the foot surgery that Jimmy Garoppolo had in March, but the team does not sound concerned about his long-term prognosis and his availability. I've spoken to people who believe that Jimmy Garoppolo will, in fact, be ready this summer, and we'll see when he's back in the lineup for the Raiders shouldn't be much of an issue. Deshaun Watson needs to take a step in his second season in Cleveland. Last season, he was coming off the suspension. Didn't get to work with his team the way he wanted. His production was not with the team at hope. They're hoping that he takes a major jump in his second season in Cleveland with a full offseason to work with that team. And they're hoping that translates into improved play for the quarterback that got that fully guaranteed contract. Yeah, yeah. after the Browns certainly need that in what should be a very competitive AFC North. Let's go up to the AFC East where construction is underway on the Bills' new stadium as the team is scheduled to begin play in the new Highmark Stadium for the 2026 regular season. That's going to replace the current Highmark Stadium that the team has played in since 1973. Ground was broken earlier on today. Commissioner Goodell in tab or on, excuse me on presence uh, for this location for the beginning of this new stadium. Uh, they also have a stacked defense that they have been working to improve. Shefty, what more can you tell us about some of their recent signings and reinvestments? Well, the Buffalo Bills over the weekend reached agreement with, with Ed Oliver on a four-year, $68 million contract extension. Feel a big deal to keep the interior part of their offensive line intact. It includes $45 million guaranteed. Oliver had one year left on his deal, and he's now tied to Buffalo for the next five seasons, and that was the first move they made. They also reached agreement with Leonard Floyd on a one-year deal to go play in Buffalo, and so they keep Ed Oliver long-term. They add Leonard Floyd to the mix. Buffalo continuing to upgrade its pass rush and front line. Yeah, Leonard Floyd now reunites with Von Miller, and the Bills have been one of the best defenses in the league in recent years. But if there is one area where the team could improve, it's getting after the quarterback. Buffalo was tied for 14th in the NFL in sacks last season. They haven't had a player finish with 10 sacks in a season since 2016, tied with the Falcons for the longest active drought in the NFL. So, Mina, let's begin with you. How do you like these moves on the defensive side of the ball for the Buffalo Bills? I think they were necessary, important, given that this pass rush without Von Miller was really hit or miss in the back half of the season. So, Field, you know this. The Bills' defense, they don't blitz a lot. They didn't mm -hmm. blitz a lot under Leslie Frazier. I expect that to continue. That four-man rush with Von Miller ranked sixth in the NFL in pressure rate. Without him, it fell to 22nd. 
Um, they still held up against mediocre to bad quarterbacks, part because there's so many talented players elsewhere. But against good quarterbacks, I think the lack of a four-man rush proved to be a problem. You certainly saw that against Joe Burrow in the playoffs. Uh, he was kept clean on nearly 80% of dropbacks, only stacked once. The most important thing for this team is Von Miller coming back healthy at age 34 off of the ACL. But beyond that, depth is going to be helpful. So adding Leonard Floyd to the mix, I think, is a good move. Yeah, I think really the benefits here are all about culture. Look, Leonard Floyd knows exactly what he's getting into in a defensive line room that involves Von Miller. He was with him together in Los Angeles. He knows how much the culture played a big part in their Super Bowl run out there. And then early on in Von's tenure in Buffalo, that's all people talked about up there. You know, from an organizational standpoint to a defensive standpoint to a defensive line standpoint, which is how much the culture had changed on the defensive line when Von stepped foot into that organization. And for that fact, for the entire football team. So for Leonard Floyd to come in there, I mean, that just adds another guy who has had the utmost success around Von Miller in that championship culture in L.A., and that should kind of then kind of like trickle its way down to everyone else. It's just another messenger for Von to kind of get his opinion out there and kind of get his mantra out there that, hey, look, mm -hmm. we're trying to win this thing. We're trying to win this at the highest level. And on top of it now, you're getting a guy who's going to be hungry and motivated who has worked underneath Vaughn, who has worked alongside Vaughn, and that's just going to make the whole entire football team better. These are the kind of signings to me that are the home runs of yeah. the offseason. When you get these kind of guys who share the same kind of vision, who have experienced success with one another, and they can help that kind of spread it to the rest of the football team. It's a, not, it's, it's a home run for Brandon being the GM. So keeping our eyes out for the money involved for Leonard Floyd. But we do know this. The last time these two players, Leonard Floyd and Von Miller, were teammates, they combined for 20 and a half sacks for the Rams during their Super Bowl season. That also included that playoff push. As for the Bills' offense, Jimmy Butler had some trash talk for wide receiver Stephon Diggs. Take a listen. Stephon Diggs. Who's better out of them? Out of who? You and Stephon Diggs. Me. Is it even close? I mean, he's good. He's really good. But, I mean, we talk about route running here. So. You know, Mina, far be it for me to question anything that Jimmy Butler says or does these days <laughs> with the way that he is playing basketball. But interesting <laughs> thoughts right there. Yeah, you usually hear that other, the other way. You don't hear that many basketball players bragging about their route running prowess. I'd like to see it. I'd like to see it. I have my doubts, though. Yeah, I, I, you know what, though? I don't with Jimmy Butler. With Jimmy Butler these days, he can do whatever he wants. If he told me he was like a <laughs> world-class piano player, I'd probably believe it because it seems to be Jimmy Butler's world, the coffee aficionado. We are just living in it. We're just getting started here on NFL Live, and one of the questions we're wondering, who's going to be the week one starter quarterback in San Francisco. Find out why Mina believes turnovers will play a factor in their decision. Plus, will the Jaguars be able to build off the way the last season ended? Stay tuned to hear why Lewis thinks Trevor Lawrence's mentality is the key to their success. That's next. NFL Live is brought to you by FX's It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Premieres June 7th on FXX. Stream on Hulu. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, 
S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. After a breakthrough season in 2022, the Jaguars have even higher hopes for 2023. That includes the addition of wide receiver Calvin Ridley. Check out this highlight play right here. Believe there we go. Zay Jones right there. Both Trevor Lawrence and head coach Doug Peterson spoke earlier today at the team's OTAs. Last year's last year, and you just have to keep reiterating the point like, you know, I've said this in here before. It's you know, it's a new team. It's a new season. You know, we got to start over, and and that's got to be the mentality. You know, it's great what we did, but um, we haven't done anything in 23. You know, and, and we haven't played a football game yet. So, uh, got a lot of work to do, but uh, it falls on me to make sure that they stay they stay level-headed and grounded and um, keep working hard. You know, this is the first time in a while I haven't been learning a new offense, and that feels good having that and being able to focus on little parts of my game um, instead of just. Making sure I got the installs and know the the, um, the plan coming into practice. You know, obviously you, you look over that too, but not having that stress of just learning the playbook, I can just really focus on my my game and my mechanics. Trevor Lawrence turned the corner about halfway through last season in his first year with Doug Peterson. He only completed 62% of his passes through the first eight weeks, but that jumped to the second highest completion percentage in the entire league over the final 10 weeks with 15 touchdown passes and just two interceptions. So, Lewis, how much does this team need to rely on Trevor Lawrence this season? Yeah, Field, I think it's mostly about his resilience and his calmness and his poise in the face of adversity is what they really need to rely on the most because when he shows that he's calm and that he can handle adversity like he did in the playoffs and he can come back and continue to elevate his game and elevate everyone else around him. The team feeds off of him. And I think that's the kind of thing that Trevor needs to focus on even more this year. I think the, field, the play on the field is going to take care of itself by and large. He's going to be someone who's going to naturally be much better. He just talked about the fact that he already knows the playbook. Now it's about learning the nuance of that playbook so he can take his game to another level. It's just when they hit those moments where things aren't going right for him. People look at Trevor. People watch his body language. They watch how he interacts with Doug. And when he shows calmness, when he shows like, hey, the heck with it, I'm moving on to the next play, the rest of the team looks, moves on to the next play. And that's something that Doug Peterson talked to us about uh, last year, the continuous uh, evolution in terms of the maturation of Trevor Lawrence. And as he continues to do that, this team is going to grow by leaps and bounds. So I think that's something he has to be very, very aware of, his body language and how everyone else is feeding off of him at every moment. And Lewis, the evolution of Trevor Lawrence mirrors that of this team because this team grows as Trevor Lawrence grows. And as much as he improves, this team improves. We saw him take a huge jump last season. I think we see him take another jump this season with the addition of Calvin Ridley playing wide receiver to go along with Christian Kirk and Zay Jones and Evan Ingram, who still remains unsigned on that franchise tag. But to me, this team reminds me a little bit 
of what the Colts were supposed to be before Andrew Luck retired. Trevor Lawrence came out and people compared him to Andrew Luck saying he was the best quarterback prospect since Luck, since he came out. Well, guess what? That Colts team was in position to dominate in the AFC South and to make Super Bowl runs, just like I think this Jaguars team now with Trevor Lawrence, once compared to Andrew Luck, is in position to control this division and in a very tough conference, make some runs that people will remember in the postseason. All right, so Mina, there's plenty of excitement around this team, but for those who might want a more measured approach, what could potentially <laughs> hold the Jaguars back from being a real threat in the AFC? Well, st speaking strictly about the offense, it's interesting to hear Adam mention Andrew Luck and those Colts because the one thing I am concerned about as it pertains to the offense yeah. is protection, which, of course, proved to be the undoing for Luck on a lot of those teams and, and his career, honestly. Um, you, you put up some stats from the second half of the Jag season. Trevor Lawrence was spectacular. A top five to seven quarterback, honestly, by just about every metric. Uh, but one area in which the Jags were not spectacular with pass protection. As you see here, they were the third worst in pass block win rate. And, you know, the... Um, They've gotten second worst, sorry. The, to me, a lot of that is mitigated by the fact that Trevor had such a quick release, and he's also very good at evading sacks. It's one of his greatest talents as a quarterback. But that's not something you want to hang your hat on when the future of the franchise, not just this year, but for a really long time, is under center. Uh, we don't know what the status is of Cam Robinson. There's a suspension looming for their left tackle, ostensibly. Anton Harrison, the rookie this, they drafted this year, will start. But the tackle position is a concern for mine, of concern of mine with the Jaguars, just because the potential is so high. Yeah, the potential is certainly high for this team. It's been a while since they've been able to capitalize on some potential because they haven't gone back-to-back -back years winning a division title since 1998 and 1999, a quarter century ago. All right, time now for us to read and react to some other sound around the league, beginning in Green Bay, where Packers second-year wide receiver Romeo Dobbs was asked about the change in quarterbacks, and if he noticed a difference, said Dobbs, quote, I think Jordan, meeting Jordan Love, can do it. I think Jordan is a really good quarterback. When you go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan, Aaron was a really great quarterback, but I believe Jordan can do the exact same thing. So I don't really see what's the big difference. I see a progression. I see it going up. I don't see the Packers going down, end quote. Lewis, does Romeo Dobbs think that they acquired Aaron Rodgers and traded away Jordan Love or something? <laughs> yeah. Look, he's doing what any good wide receiver is going to do for his quarterback, and that's to make sure that his quarterback is in the right mental headspace and know that he's someone who they support, have a ton of confidence in, and he's going to, they're going to make all kinds of outlandish statements. Think about what Tyree Kill said last year about Tua when he was comparing him to Patrick Mahomes. He's trying to pump up his quarterback. Look, we all know that Jordan Love is not going to be the same as a four-time MVP and a guy who's a first-ballot Hall of Famer, but I commend him for supporting him the way he does, although we all know that he's full of a little something I can't really say, you know? <laughs> hot air. We'll go with hot air. That's TV-friendly enough. Yeah, Let's go hot to air. the uh, Washington exactly. Commanders. Yeah. They hired Eric Bieniemy as their offensive coordinator this offseason. Second-year wide receiver Jahan Dotson was asked about his new play caller this weekend. Coach Bieniemy, I feel like he's, he's brought culture to our team. He's brought a sense of energy, um, a sense of urgency. You know, it's been really good just being able to learn from him, you know, just get familiar with the things that he wants us to do and the things that we want to do. You know, what do you think the biggest change will be for this offense this year? 
Well, Jahan Dotson has great hands. He's a great contested catch guy. But I think the addition of Eric Bieniemy will hopefully allow him to make fewer contested catches because he's going to scheme him open. Uh, what I think Washington is betting on, hoping on, he brings over from Kansas City is the way that offense was so sequenced. Every play set up the next play, used formation and personnel groupings to manipulate defenses. If they can bring that to Washington with those skilled players, it'll make life much easier for potentially the young quarterback in Sam Howell. Yeah, can't wait to see what this offense looks like. A very good division, but Washington could be sneaky good. Let's go to the Bucs, who have a quarterback competition. That, of course, is Baker Mayfield against Kyle Trask. New offensive coordinator Dave Canales was asked about the process. Here's what he had to say. Quote, I think it's partly just respecting the team, respecting what's best for everyone, and then also respecting Kyle's process. You know, he comes in a second-round pick with high hopes. Obviously, what a great thing. Tom Brady's been here, so he's been able to learn from him. On the flip side, too, I think Baker, would he love to be the name of starter? I'm sure, but Baker also knows that his this is his road back, too. I think I owe it to both of them and to the team to put the best guy out there, end quote. So, Shefty, what is the latest with that Bucks quarterback situation? Listen, I think when Baker Mayfield signs there, he goes there with the idea that that job is his to win. And they'll have this competition all during camp. But Baker Mayfield is the veteran. He's somebody who's got the experience. He's got the credentials. We still don't know what we have in Kyle Trask. And he'll have to have an impressive summer to win that job in the new offense. But I think Baker Mayfield goes in as the clear favorite to winning that job. And I think people around the league believe it would be a surprise if Baker Mayfield were not playing quarterback on opening day. Uh, as mentioned by Coach Canales, the reason the Bucks have a quarterback competition this year is because Tom Brady's retired. And with all that extra time that Brady has, he's been spending it at Disney World of all places. How about this Tower of Terror? His caption, happiest place on earth. I'm not so sure that Tom looks totally happy right there. Perhaps a bit spooky. And, you know, there are a couple of things that Adam Schefter and Tom Brady have in common. Not only are they both Michigan men, but Schefter, you're no stranger to roller coaster rides. Yeah, Randy handled that a lot better than I did, Field. I, that was not something that really I took to. I love the ride. I love Disney. I love going on all the other rides. Some of those I could do without Randy and Tom handle a little bit better than me. God, there is just what a... Beautiful game of caption this available right there. What with were you that saying? From yeah, what were you saying, Shefty? Were you revealing sources on the roller coaster right there? What were you right saying there? right there? Please get me back to countdown. Please, please. <laughs> That's all I really want to do thankfully, right now. Thankfully, Shefty made like, it back get, to countdown. Get, 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 me, get me onto the small world ride. Get me onto something more my speed. <laughs> what a great moment that was and great years later. Hey, coming up next, are the Raiders going to be a playoff contender this season with a healthy Jimmy G? Stick around to see what Mina feels could hold them back. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. The 49ers, Browns, Cowboys, Lions, Raiders, Dolphins, Seahawks, Titans, and the Commanders all begin mandatory minicamps this week. What's the storyline you're watching for most? Mina, we'll start with you. Something that Adam alluded to at the top of the show. I want to see how the quarterback, Deshaun Watson, looks in Cleveland, largely because Everything else in Cleveland looks pretty dang good. I think this should be improved defense under new defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz. Continues to be one of the better offensive lines in football with, I think, a pretty underrated group of skill players and a dominant run game. The single biggest variable potentially standing in the way of the playoffs for this team is if Deshaun Watson plays like he did last year instead of how he has for most of his career. Man, for Detroit, I'm looking to see how they integrate this new running back tandem consisting of David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs, and Jameer Gibbs in particular, because look, I think everyone was shocked, not that Jameer Gibbs went in the first round, but that he went as high as he did, and the fact that maybe some people had him even ranked even higher than B. John Robinson. How are they going to get the return on investment out of Jameer? I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I'm just interested to see how they deploy what should be one of the best one-two punches in the NFL. And aren't there always quarterback questions in San Francisco? No different again this year. The biggest involved the health of Brock Purdy, who threw for the first time last week since his ulnar collateral ligament surgery. Now, the team is optimistic he's going to be able to make it back, but they don't know for sure. And if he can't make it back, that's where it gets interesting. I think the team's very high on Sam Darnold, who they signed in free agency. Trey Lance is a mystery, has a lot of potential, still don't know what you're going to get coming off injury himself, but is healthy now. So there are more quarterback questions in San Francisco as there seem to be every year. And who would have thought that the biggest one involves the former Mr. Irrelevant of the draft? Well, Shefty, a testament to just how good this team is, despite all that uncertainty at quarterback. The 49ers are the clear favorites to repeat as NFC West champs. The Niners have a 63% chance to win the division, according to ESPN Analytics. That's the highest for any team to win their respective division the entire league. They haven't won two straight division titles since 2011 and 2012. So, Lewis, as you look at their chances, you look at the division they play in, you look at the quarterback situation, do you think they should have concerns? Mm. Like, do you have any concerns personally about who should be quarterback one in this office, or is it all just sort of relative? Yeah, I think it's all relative. I think it's a great way of looking at it. I think they can win regardless of any of the top three playing and starting for that football team because I think this is a fo- this is an offense that is very much so driven by the scheme and that's not to say that the quarterback doesn't have to make good decisions has to be accurate with the football and has to make sure that he doesn't turn it over but I'm just saying that I think this scheme is such that either any of these quarterbacks if they're able to stay healthy number one able to make good reads make sure they, they make good decisions in the RPO game and distribute the football effectively I think this football team one through 53 is strong enough for them to be able to absorb whichever one of these quarterbacks winds up winning the job ultimately. And I really do think 
that it's going to be a heck of a competition to watch because I think Trey Lance is putting in the work this offseason. I've had people tell me this. I've had people tell me that Sam Darnold should be one of those people who is considered to be the comeback player of the year when it's all said and done. And that to me means they think he's going to wind up playing out there in San Francisco. So yeah. look, and not because of injury either. <laughs> so I think this is a very, very intriguing quarterback battle to watch. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with Lewis. The Niners playbook might as well just say, don't screw this up, which is not to minimize, you know, the <laughs> fact that as the quarterback, as he said, you do have to make good decisions. Uh, but this is the best roster in football outside of the quarterback position. I, maybe with Philadelphia neck and neck. Um, it's not just the scheme that's so quarterback friendly. It's the skill players who are nearly unparalleled. So whether it's Lance, Darnold, or Purdy, the most important thing is simply not turning the ball over, letting your top defense and your incredible group of wide receivers, running backs, fullbacks, tight ends uh, carry the load for you. And that is a big question, though, because, you know, Sam Darnold, I thought he played well at the end of last season, but of course, turnovers have been an issue with him over the course of the career, his career. I thought Brock Purdy played really well coming into relief, but I think he got a little bit lucky on some turnovers at the end there. We don't really know what Trey, who Trey Lance is as a quarterback. So to me, that is the single most important thing for any of them. What's interesting is that on the opening day of free agency, the 49ers identified Sam Darnold as a quarterback and a player that they wanted to bring in right away. And they went out and signed, arguably, the single best defensive free agent out there in Javon Hargrave. Gave him a lot of money, pried him away from the Eagles, and you can only imagine how much he's going to upgrade that defense in San Francisco. But I believe on the same day that they got a deal done with Javon Hargrave, they also signed Sam Darnold to a one-year deal. And Sam Darnold, if you're signing somebody on the first day of free agency... Mm -hmm. That tells you Context that there's a lot of interest in that guy right there, right? So Those are you just have to look at the timing to know that they have identified something in Sam Darnold that they believe he's got unique traits. Now, let's go back. At one point, he was the third <laughs> overall pick. Now, we'll see how this all shakes out over the summer. But yep. would anybody be surprised if Sam Darnold wound up starting and shining in San Francisco? I won't. Ooh, Shefty, I trust your, your intel more than anybody, but I, I just <laughs> hey, feel like we've been field. down this path a couple of times with Sam Darnold. I might be a little bit surprised, but I also can't help but think, like, where does Trey Lance figure into all of this right now, right? Like, just a couple of years ago, field. the third overall pick. Go ahead, Lewis. He's the mystery. He's the mystery, yeah, Field. Yeah, like, I, we, they I, don't I, know. I, I, they I don't know what that. they have in him. Yeah, I, I don't want to butt in here, but I am going to butt in here, okay? Look, Trey Lance, look, I, I had heard – that he was working with Patrick Mahomes this offseason and that he is looking good. Okay, that's just what I heard. I've read, I've, I know I've read that. And it was something I need to like dig a little bit deeper right. on. But he's been putting in work with him. Okay, that's one. Number two, I'm not going to say the person who told me this about Sam Darnold, but I'll just tell you this. My eyes almost popped out of my head. I was like, what? What are you talking about? They got yeah. Trey. They got Brock. Brock looked as good as he could possibly look. Trey just hasn't even had a chance to really establish himself yet. How are you even throwing Sam into the mix? And he, and he looked at me and he goes, Lewis, I'm just telling you, mm. he's at the perfect place that if he doesn't shine here, then he never will. But wow. I'm telling you, yeah. come back to me at the end of this year when it's all said and done, if he winds up being that guy who I'm telling you I think he can be. It would be, hey, NFL Live would just have more stuff to talk about. Oh, I'm just telling you. Certainly would, but yeah. Adam, 
Adam, it makes sense what you said, man. Hey. It makes sense what you said. Hey, let me, but let me say this. As high as they are on Sam Darnold and as much as they invested in Trey Lance, Brock Purdy is still the quarterback there. He is the guy if he is healthy. And they think he's going to be healthy, yeah. but they don't know for <clears throat> sure. He is the guy out there. And if Brock Purdy comes in and is healthy this summer, Lewis, then we won't even see what Sam Darnold can do in that offense because it's going to be Brock yeah. Purdy's offense to run. Yeah, and Brock Purdy, of course, took over for Jimmy Garoppolo last season after Garoppolo got injured. And Garoppolo has now moved on to a new team as he signed with the Raiders this offseason. And here's the recent timeline. So he initially hurt that foot back in December against the Dolphins, missed the rest of the season. He signed a three-year deal with Vegas in March and reportedly had surgery on his foot after signing that contract, which has prevented him from being on the field during OTAs. It's generated a lot of anxiety, Shefty, except for from head coach Josh McDaniels, who says he has, quote, no anxiety over their quarterback situation. What more do you know about this? Well, it's generated a lot of anxiety, I believe, Field, because it's the first week in June and there isn't a whole lot else going on. If this were to happen during the season, I don't know how much conversation it would generate. Maybe a lot because it's a quarterback, it's Jimmy Garoppolo. But the fact of the matter is there are people, plenty of people, who believe that Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be just fine this summer. And yes, they did add the clause in his contract, which many players have clauses like that in their contract. And the feeling is he's still going to be ready this summer. He's still going to be the starting quarterback on opening day. And it would take some sort of setback along the way for that not to happen. Could that happen? Absolutely. Jimmy Garoppolo has been injury prone in recent seasons. But I can tell you that the feeling is that he's going to be fine. And if they were overly concerned, they would not have proceeded ahead with the contract and done it the way they did. They got him to sign the injury waiver. Many players signed injury waivers. And I think the feeling is that when the real games start, even when the preseason games start, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be out yeah. there and it's not going to be any sort of issue. And we'll see. Yeah, look, I, I think I think Jimmy Garoppolo gives this team a real chance to compete for wild card spot. Now, I know that may be a little bit pie in the sky, and I know Mina's going to try and blow that out of the water because of her concerns about this football <laughs> team on the other side of the ball a little bit. And I and I get it. I understand it. I do. But look, I think Jimmy Garoppolo. One thing I'll push back on Adam that you said about Jimmy is this, and it's not really pushback. I, I really don't consider Jimmy injury prone. I consider him unlucky. Injury prone guys, you know, I think I, I like to reserve that that label for guys who have like soft tissue injuries who don't really train properly in the off season, don't have the proper muscle imbalance in their lower body, those kinds of things. Jimmy's just been unlucky. He's taken some hits that this would put people out. So, look, but I think with him in there, yeah. I think this offense starts on third base, so to speak. And I think Josh can really unleash the full power of what he has in his playbook and that this team will really make some huge strides in terms of its explosive play component offensively. Yeah, if he's healthy, I think this offense will look better than it did last year purely because of fit. He makes more sense for Josh McDaniel's system. That's why he wanted him as quarterback. But as Lewis uh, hinted at, uh, I, I'm skeptical of this team because I think he's going <laughs> to run comes. into the same issue that Derek Carr ran into when Derek Carr was playing good football, mm. which is this is not a good enough defense to compete in the AFC West, particularly on the back end. Lewis, this is your great love in football. This secondary, come on. <laughs> like they, they simply can't. Yeah, it, it's uh, broken can't, my heart. Look at that cornerback group. It is rough.
Yeah. It certainly is. It's very inexperienced. I mean, and I think a lot of people were surprised the Raiders weren't more aggressive this offseason in addressing that cornerback yeah. room, whether it was with the seventh overall pick in the draft or some free agent signings that could have been made earlier this offseason. All right, coming up, first of all, I can't wait to see what happens to Raiders this year. But coming up next, the, Re the Cardinals recently cut ties with DeAndre Hopkins. And, of course, quarterback Kyler Murray is going to miss perhaps the start of the year with his knee injury. Here why Lewis is worried about the direction of this franchise. That's next. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Coming up at 7 Eastern, 4 Pacific over on ESPN and ESPN Plus. Fourth seed of Tennessee takes on the number three seed, Florida State, at the Women's College World Series. The Knowles advance to the championship series against Oklahoma with the win, but the Vols would force an elimination rematch between these two teams right after if they get the W. A spot in the Women's College World Series best of three finals that start on Wednesday on ESPN is now on the line. So the Cardinals have an eye towards the future feel to them this year after they made a trade during the draft to acquire the Texans first round pick for next year. Their head coach Jonathan Gannon talked about quarterback Colt McCoy earlier today. I think as any any backup player you got to be ready to go at the drop of a hat and got to be able to go play winning football for us and so I think that's not just the quarterback position that's all positions so they know you know you're one snap away from your role changing extremely quickly that's life in the NFL, and you got to be ready to, to accept your role and, and uh, produce. So, Shefty, that got us thinking about the latest with Kyler Murray in regards to that late-season knee injury. Do we have any sort of expectation about a timeline for Kyler's recovery? Well, Field, he had surgery on his torn ACL in January. Typically, recoveries for those types of surgeries, injuries, 9 to 12 months. So he could be ready early in the year. It doesn't sound like there's a whole lot of optimism about that. So now we start to wonder when he could come back in the second half of the year. And if in the second half of the year the Cardinals are not playing winning football, then what's the sense in even rushing back Kyler Murray when you have two first-round draft picks Next year, there's a reason that they have all these other added quarterbacks on their roster right now. They went out and used a fifth-round pick on Clayton Toon, the quarterback from Houston. They have David Blau already on their roster, along with Colt McCoy. They added Jeff Driscoll. They have a whole bunch of quarterbacks because the truth is they don't know when Kyler Murray will be back. They're not going to rush it, and you have to wonder what the way this season goes for them, depending on how it goes for them, when they would be incentivized to rush him back. Yeah, certainly feels like one where patience could be the best virtue in regards to Kyler Murray's return. Uh, once he's healthy, no one's going to confuse Kyler and his wide receivers for the Suns because they have some of the shortest wide receivers in the NFL to throw to now that DeAndre Hopkins is gone. How about this? The projected top three wideouts for the Cardinals, all five foot nine or shorter, with Hollywood Brown towering over the rest at five foot nine. Arizona could be the first team in the last 35 years to start three wide receivers who are that short in their season opener. So, uh, Mina, uh, beyond what you see in terms of 
the height <laughs> of this offense. Uh, what does success for this team look like this year on the field? That's a great way to put it. What does success look like? Because the reality is success for the Arizona Cardinals this season is very different from a lot of other teams in the NFL. And I want to start by saying they clearly know that. Everything they've done this offseason in terms of the trade, the big trade they made during the draft, basically wiping their cap clean, why they cut DeAndre Hopkins, speaks to a team that is very, very aware of where they are in the rebuilding process. So then you pivot to what does success look like this season, and feel there are two things that come to mind. They've got a new front office, new head coach, Jonathan Gannon, establishing a winning culture. And that can be very difficult when your team isn't winning games, but that is a big challenge for them in terms of keeping this locker room together. And then the other thing is basically identifying the young players who will become their core, uh, whether that's David Collins and Isaiah Simmons continuing to take a step forward, the two, the linebacker and the DB, or Paris Johnson, who they traded quite a bit for on the offensive line. They want those players to show that they are the centerpieces of the next iteration of the Cardinals. Whether or not that includes Kyler Murray, well, that remains to be seen. Yeah, this is a very, very frustrating team to kind of try and get a beat on exactly what it is that they're trying to get done. I mean, it, it just it really reminds me a little bit of a rudderless ship because I just remember just a couple of years ago going down to Arizona and talking to Steve Keim about the fact that, you know, he brought in guys like J.J. Watt. He brought in guys like Rodney Hudson. He brought in guys like A.J. Green because he felt as though this football team lacked the leadership to kind of push them over the hump and get them into the big games and actually win the big games. Get, keep them from having late-season swoons after starting off the season very strong. And right now, all those guys are gone. All that stuff's been blown up. Your franchise quarterback is someone that numerous people have come out and said, look, maybe he's not the leader that we need, or maybe he's not even the leader that we want. And so right, like right now, I struggle to find what kind of direction this football team does have in the short term. And long term, we'll see whether or not Jonathan Gannon is the guy who's going to be up to the task, because I really do think they are starting from absolute ground zero. I know we don't necessarily condone tanking around here, but I do think, as Mina pointed out, the self-awareness from the Cardinals could bode really well for the future, a team that has two potentially very valuable first-round picks in 2024. Coming up next on NFL Live, Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs visited the White House today to celebrate their Super Bowl victory. Hear who Mina believes is the unsung hero of their recent success. That's next. But we cannot mention the Chiefs without mentioning Norma Hunt. The widow of Chiefs founder Lamar Hunt died at age 85, the team announced Sunday. No cause of death was given. In a statement from the Hunt family, quote, Mom was steadfastly devoted to her family and fiercely passionate about her family's sports teams. She was by our father, Lamar, by our father Lamar's side every step of the way, from the merger of the AFL and the NFL to the formation of Major League Soccer, World Championship Tennis, the North American Soccer League and their founding investment in the Chicago Bulls. She was the only person we knew who rivaled his love of sports. And quote, Patrick Mahomes took to Twitter Sunday night to express his condolences, saying, quote, Mrs. Norma was the best. Glad to be a part of this special organization she helped build. She will be missed. Prayers to the entire Hunt family. Hunt is the only woman to attend all 57 Super Bowls and said this in a recent NFL Films documentary, quote, I can't even begin to guess how many games I've been to, but when it comes to Super Bowls, I know the exact number. Every one of them. I consider it a great privilege and have enjoyed every one of them so much.
The Chiefs are visiting the White House today to celebrate their second Super Bowl win in four seasons. The team was unable to do so following their Super Bowl win in 2020 due to the pandemic. They're all everything tight end. Travis Kelsey recently addressed whether he thought the team has become a dynasty. I would say, yeah, we're the Kansas City is, has been a dynasty for quite a while, for quite a while now. And um, obviously I'm biased. Excuse me, I'm biased <laughs> to that, but um, I think that uh, what Coach Reed has done uh, since he's been here in terms of winning, in terms of uh, the playoff runs and all the uh, division championships um, and the AFC uh, uh, title appearances, um, then obviously the Super Bowls. We're 100% we're a dynasty, but uh, when you put it uh, up against what the Warriors have done, obviously we don't have as many championships right now. So uh, we got some work to do. We're on a we're on an uphill battle, especially uh, when you talk about the the what the Warriors have been able to do. Unfortunately, I've seen quite a few daggers uh, from the Golden State Warriors uh, being a Cavs fan throughout my day. Well, all the Chiefs have done since Patrick Mahomes took over as a starter is win, including the playoffs. Kansas City has 75 wins in the last five seasons, trailing only the Patriots from 2003 to 2007 for the most wins in a five-year span in NFL history. And the Chiefs will try to become the first team since the Patriots in 2003 and 2004 to repeat as Super Bowl champions. I mean, when you look at this team as a potential dynasty, what do you think has maybe impressed you most? We don't talk about all that often. Yeah. Yeah, well, obviously it's a little bit easier when you have the most talented quarterback to ever play the position and one of the best head coaches in NFL history. So those are the two most important things. But I do think the Chiefs front office, their GM, Brett Veach, they deserve a ton of credit for this dynasty. And I do think it is a dynasty. Two things he's done strike me as incredibly important. Uh, after the Chiefs lost Super Bowl to Tampa, recognizing that the only thing that could stop Patrick Mahomes was Patrick Mahomes not having protection, investing heavily in the offensive line, which was one of the cheaper units in football that year, by the way, before then, will go down as a, a very significant and impactful decision. And then the other thing is when you, when you do pay your quarterback, you have to save money elsewhere. The Chiefs have saved money on defense, linebacker, secondary. Last year on their playoff run, they had the third most rookies playing on defense behind uh, Chicago and Houston, hardly two playoff teams, and they appear to have hit on a lot of those picks. That's what you have to do to maintain a dynasty. When you pay your quarterback, you have to find value elsewhere. He has found value elsewhere and made good decisions on how to spend money on this roster. Yeah, <clears throat> look, in order to have a sustained level of excellence that puts you in the conversation for being a dynasty, and there's no question that Kansas City is on the cusp of being in that conversation, because think about it, they're an offsides penalty away from being in four Super Bowls, not just three. And maybe they would have won three out of four. They didn't have any chance against Tampa Bay because of the way the offensive line was just decimated that year. But this football team has perfect alignment. It has perfect alignment from ownership to president to general manager, head coach to quarterback. In that, I mean, it is perfect. The kind of communication that exists between Andy Reid, Brett Veach, Patrick Mahomes in particular is probably something that's – it may look, I, I can't speak for every team. I can just speak for this team because I know all three of these guys and I know how they all get along. It is so unique, and it just kind of just trickles down from there. When your very best player is the one who was the least – is the least satisfied with the level of success that you've had to this point, you know it's going to keep you in the game and keep you in the fight every single year. And that's what they've got in Kansas City. Chetsy, we know that they're going to be in the mix this year and probably every year going forward with Patrick Mahomes as their starting quarterback, but what kind of work do they have left to do this summer specifically? 
Well, I think you start with Chris Jones. I think at some point in time, they're going to have to sit down and review that contract. And then Lewis is talking about Patrick Mahomes. He's got nine years left in his contract, but it wouldn't be a surprise if the two sides sat down this summer and figured out a way to put him in the upper echelon of quarterbacks being paid mm -hmm. because we all know that he deserves it. And once you take care of Chris Jones and Patrick Mahomes, then maybe you could create a little bit of cap space and then maybe, maybe find a way to see if DeAndre Hopkins is still out there and maybe he could somehow find his way into the Kansas City mix. <laughs> but that would be down the line a little bit if he were still out there. You know, when a guy like that, DeAndre Hopkins, is available, we kind of put him on every single team. But that would be a perfect match given their youth right yeah. now at wide receiver. So many unproven bodies Don't. are going to be catching passes from Patrick Mahomes. We've got time for one more thing here on NFL Ooh. Live. And I'm also being told we have some breaking news important to the family. Shefty, what can you tell yeah. us? Well, Field, it came out just moments ago. The Rutledge family announced the addition of Jack Alexander Rutledge, born May 25th, 4.11 p.m., weighed in at 7 pounds, 6 ounces. He is the Rutledge's angel baby. He is a good-looking baby, and we know that he's got a bright future. Congratulations to the entire Rutledge family on the best breaking news of the day. Amen to that, Mina. Nobody more deserves a better cool. mom out there than Laura, of course. Oh, man, so happy for them. Jack Alexander, Jack, I like it. He looks it. big. Maybe we love play. you guys. Congratulations, <laughs> Josh, Laura, Reese, and, of course, baby Jack. We'll see you tomorrow on NFL Live.